It's your boy, the Jewish Bulldog, Benny Sinekin. Bulldog Benny, you call him whatever you want. Pretty boy, you already know. You listen straight to the point. You know they want staring point, you know we straight to the point. Boy Chris with assist, fast breaks like a joint splitting half. Boy J with the J, we throwing heat, no gas, that's a touchdown pass. You know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say. Now they hardly can guard me like Dirk fade away. You know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say. Yeah, you know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say. They want staring point, you know we straight to the point. They want staring point, you know we straight to the point. They want staring point, you know we straight to the point. They want staring point, you know we straight to the straight to the Healy76 bringing us into episode number 60 with Street to the Point. My name is Chris Hill. My guy, Jay Duck. Yo, what's going on? Yo, and, and the thing we got to talk about above and beyond everything else is people are making deals. Big deals, blockbuster deals, head-scratching deals. Just deals all around. Deals for everyone. Um, deals in, in multiple sports. Got to talk about some deals in the NBA, deals in the NFL. Um, Jared, let's talk and start first with the trade deadline in the NBA. Um, some some notable names on the move. Half the Magic roster is, is somewhere else now. Um, Rondo's on the Clippers. Oladipo goes to the Heat. Kyle Lowry doesn't get traded. Uh, Jared, talk to me about your biggest takeaway um, from the NBA trade deadline. Uh, my biggest takeaway is probably the Chicago Bulls, man. The Chicago Bulls got like – they, they, for me personally, they get an A grade if you were to grade this out. Because mm-hmm. they were able to get Nicole Vucevic, Alfred Gabino, who they'll probably do a buyout with potentially, or they'll keep him. Daniel Tice, Troy, Troy Brown, Javante Green, and cash considerations. And then they only end up giving up was Wendell Carter, Otto Porter, who the Magic will probably buy out, Daniel Gafford, Luke Cornette. They get a 2020 first round pick, which is top four protected, and a 2023 first round pick, again, top four protected. But you look at it, I'm like, they just got Vucevic to go with all-star Zach Levine. You're talking about a team that the Bulls entered, the, I think, on Thursday on the trade deadline at 19-24, and 24, which is the final playing spot in the East. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be facing one of the – I think they have the second toughest remaining schedule of the season. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about they have a legitimate all-star, top-ten scorer, Zach Levine. You're adding Vucevic, who just got his second all-star team, He's having a career year averaging just under 25 points, 12 rebounds, and four assists, while he's still shooting 40% from the three-point line on an on on attempt of like six and a half shots a game from the three. This is a guy that is 16th ranked in half course. This is an viable big that Levy never had, one that can space the four in the pick and pop. And this is just the bona fide all-star you need to kind of show this city that you are trying to – grow and build towards something you're not just going to continue to hold assets or you're not just going to continue to try and bring in guys that you think are going to be the next it factor like they did with Otto Porter and that ended up being a flamed out situation as we can see that you bring in a bona fide stud Vucevic is a top five center in the league top arguably top three if you go literally and be Jokic than him if you want to put him in that conversation but you could say but he's in the top five conversation is he better than Gobert? I think I think he is. I think Gobert is literally just a defensive player, but his limitations are on offense. I'm not leaving Gobert in late stretches of a game. If you're down 10, I'm not leaving Gobert in. You're gonna go small ball and you're gonna have, you're gonna try and score. And then even in the final closing minutes of some games, they leave Gobert because he's a good defensive anchor, but he cannot guard 
points as best as he as well as you want a defensive player of the year guy to do. When you're playing with Vucevic, Vucevic's not the same the floor all the time. So one, the guy is a he, he could do what Gobert does on the rebound, and he's not the best defender, but he's gonna get you a bucket. He's gonna do the dirty work down low, and he can also stretch the floor. I told you this man can shoot the ball. Like, and that's what you kind of want from a big in this new transcendent NBA era now. Shooting the ball is key. If you're a big and you can't shoot, you're kind of a liability on the court nowadays. Yeah, that's true. I think that the, the game is evolved. The game has changed. Um, obviously, Gobert has his limitations on offense. Um, if you're asking me what team I think made the biggest move, the biggest splash, the biggest impact, the Denver Nuggets. They get Aaron Gordon, um, someone who's versatile enough. They can, he can defend multiple different positions, brings another level of offense to that to that Denver team. I think he, you know, you've mentioned this before about how much they missed Jeremy Grant. Aaron Gordon does a lot of the things that Jeremy Grant does. You know, he's a he's a he's a lengthy type of guy. It's about six eight. Can definitely attack the basket, but has added a little bit of a different different element to his arsenal. Um, but you get a a, a bona fide number three to put along with Jokic and Murray that does a little bit different things and and and, and can contribute in different ways. I think that the team that makes them the biggest impact for me is Denver because they're they're closer to contending in the West than Chicago is to contend in the East. Like I, I get Chicago going out and getting Vucevic and putting him with Levine is, is a nice one-two punch, but that isn't going to, that's not going to take down the teams that are contending in the, in the East. You know, that's the East is very top heavy and that puts the, like, I think this puts the Bulls middle of the pack but they're not going to contend with the top four teams in the East. You know, like, I don't think they're going to, they're not going to go toe to toe with Philadelphia. They're not going to go toe to toe with Brooklyn. They're not going to go toe to toe with um, Milwaukee. You know what I'm saying? Like this doesn't make them that, that doesn't make them a, a legitimate threat. I think Aaron Gordon on Denver makes them a legitimate threat in the West. And that's why I have to say that the biggest impact goes to Denver. I mean, if the Bulls had fully committed to getting Lonzo Ball, I think that our, the conversation would be changed because then you're adding Lonzo, Zach, and now Vucevic. But again, they couldn't get that deal done. Stop it! Stop! 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 No, no, no. I no, think no, no, longevity no, 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 no. wise, you're talking about stop, they're not, stop, this is a, stop, they're not stop, win now. Stop. No, no, no. Stop! 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 You just said that Lonzo Ball changes the conversation. If for if get... they, what biggest impact for the trade deadline? Because you get Lonzo over Aaron and Gordon. Yeah, over, I would Gordon. definitely take that over as biggest impact for the trade deadline. I'm saying Lonzo and Vuk to the Bulls would be a bigger impact version than the Gordon trade to the Nuggets because again, the Nuggets was a team that was already fourth best offense without him. They've had Nicole Jokic, Jamal Murray, and now the ascendant scoring forward and Michael Porter Jr. The only problem they've had is that they're ranked 20th in defense. Right now, now I like what I they think. brought it. Now, mind you, they got a steal in the Gordon trade. They what, what did they give up? Gary Harris, rookie RJ Hampton, and a projected a protected 2025 20, first round pick. That's a steal. You fleeced the magic for Aaron Gordon. And also, I think Gary Clark was sent with Aaron Gordon to kind of get the contractual stuff to make the kind of filler. But that, that you 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 fleeced the magic. I understand that. I respect that. You got a good move. Again, you you basically brought in Jeremy Grant or at this point, a slightly lesser offensive player than Jeremy Grant because of the fact is Jeremy Grant can't – Jeremy Grant is a better shooter than Aaron Gordon is right now, but he's not as athletically gifted 
as Aaron Gordon is. Now you talk about what Aaron Gordon does on the defensive end. He ranks 10th in defensive versatility in uh, basketball's index and defensive metrics. He's a guy that when guarding point guards, he's 23% guarding point guards and he's efficient at that. He, as power forwards, he's guarding most power forwards at 27%. This is a guy that's six foot eight, weighing 235 pounds with a seven foot wingspan. And I believe his toolkit is going to help him when they have to do late stretches and he's going to have to guard against a guy like a Kawhi Leonard or he's going to have to guard against another LeBron. He'll be able to make them those switches that a guy like Paul Millsap and Jokic can't do. Again, this is why I thought bringing in Paul Millsap back was a good idea for just to help with chemistry-wise, but he, he's, he's aging. Paul Millsap is an aging forward that wasn't going to help them in long stretches. They've been subbing him out as is. Now, I don't even think he was starting throughout this regular season to come off the bench because the fact is that he's a defensive liability. Bringing Aaron Gordon was a very good move. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is if the Bulls had brought in Lonzo and Vucevic just for what the impact of the trade deadline, that's a, that's a bigger impact in the trade deadline aspect of it than getting Gordon because Gordon's one out. He's been trade bait for the past two years. Lonzo is a versatile point guard. We see what he could do now. Finally emerging as the point guard that we saw from UCLA revitalized jump shot. He's finally doing what he, he's shooting above 38% from the three point line right now. You bring in a true playmaker to go with Zach Levine and Vucevic. I think you're not t- the win now mode for the Nuggets is now, but you talk about the long run. That's huge for the Bulls. Do you think the Bulls are a contender in the next five years? I think they're in the right direction now. No, 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 no. Before no, I would have no, told no, you, no, 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 absolutely not. Yes, or, right yes or no? Yes or no? Are the Bulls a contender in the next five years? They're heading in the right direction. If they continue to do what they're doing now, they're heading in the right direction. Yes or no? Yeah, five okay. years. Yeah, give them five years. I, I'd say yes because five years so they got time. In five they, years, like if the team was Vucevic, who would be thirty-five. 30, yeah, they're around thirty-five at the time. Thirty-six maybe. And Levine, who would be thirty-three. That team is old. That team isn't going anywhere. Well, I, again, we're saying that, that's why I said if you added Lonzo, Lonzo's to what, 23 now. He'd be 28 in his prime. Levine would be 32. Lucy would be 36. But you're talking about all the other pieces they would then have. They, they don't have to fill a need for point guard anymore. You have your point guard. You don't have to fill a need for I'm a just, star shooter guard. I just don't. I, 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 get, I get you trying to like hype up Lonzo, but I don't. I, I, don't well, I just think it's just that, just for trade deadline purposes, that had taken them from being. A minus B plus A minus trade to A plus. I think the, the Nuggets trade is an A. I think they got exactly what they needed. They so, filled so the, the need. So the Nuggets trade is an A to you and the Bulls is an A. I think, yeah, both of those are A's because you, you got what you wanted and you, you finessed. You, you got the magic. Like, you, as soon as you, you saw know, the trade, I thought Mo Bamba was going to be the guy. You know, because you hear Nicole Vucevic, because before the actual details come out, you just get the Wolves bomb, Nicole Vucevic to the Bulls. I'm like, oh, it's Mo Bamba time. They just see they traded Wendell Carter. I'm like, dang. Well, Bamba probably thinking, I can't never get it. I can't have my own team at this point. I mean, is he really good enough to have his own team? He's 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 versatile. I, I like Mo Bamba. I think he's going to be a good I'd, starting I'd, center. Is he I think he's better than Wendell Carter. I, I think he's better. He can shoot the four. He can shoot the ball. He can actually play defense in the post. Wendell Carter has been abused as of late as a big. And he's, he's injured. He's, his durability hasn't been there either. Okay. Talk to me about uh, the Clippers' impact um, after acquiring Rondo. Um, <laughs> uh, it, was, it, was, it was a trade that they they filled the need. I don't know if it was the need. They were again. Lonzo's name was trade bait throughout this entire process. You've heard I'm names. Not, I'm, not in, I'm not enamored with Lonzo. No, not even this, but you've heard John Wall's name, Russell Westbrook's name, Kemba's name. All these. 
point Kyle Lowry, all these point guards tied to the Clippers because that's what they kind of needed, a shooting playmaking guard. Because Kawhi Leonard kind of emerged as this point forward, but it's not his true role. That's not who he is. It's not his skill. He's been doing it this season, but you can see he kind of off doing it. He's not. That's not his go-to role as a, as a basketball player. So I like bringing in Rondo. I'll give this trade a C because you're bringing, losing Will Williams hurt. You're giving up the great, the best six man in the league right now. He was coming off a strong pass. Uh, uh, yeah, he's the best six man in the league. Uh, no, maybe not. Jordan Clarkson has emerged. I was, was going to say. I, the, the past five years, it's been Lou Will. Eric Gordon and Lou Will, Jordan Clarkson just emerged, but it's been Lou Will. I think losing Kyle Lowry hurt them a little bit, but again, what the Raptors are asking for, who, who, nobody was getting Kyle Lowry. So Rondo, he, he kind of coasts through the regular season at this stage of his career. But when it's time to turn in the clutch playoff performances, you even you kind of reminded me when he was tweeting about it. I'm like, he does. He shows up in the playoffs. But does him showing up in the playoffs mean what well, he's just gonna facilitate and run the run the because that's all what that's all they're gonna ask him to do because he can't shoot. He still is not a good shooter. And that's kind of what the Clippers' whole he's, crux of getting a point guard was. They needed a shooting point guard, not a playmate. He's never been guard. a great shooter, but he he comes through clutch in big time situations. He makes the plays when when plays need to be made. He's coming off winning a championship. I can understand the Clippers' desire to acquire a Rondo because who else do you want to require? Like, if you want a, a shooting guard, you have that. You had Lou Will. Now, no, but they needed a, a shooting playmaking guard that can space the floor. You bring Lou Will. Lou Will's not the, the, the playmaking who, guard. You who, are you, who are you going to get? George Hill? Oh no no the Sixers got him. Great, great move by the Sixers. But I'm way. saying, but I'm saying, if you're the Clippers, you you have. I think they were in on it. I think they were in on George Hill too. That was another name. Delon Wright was on their list, and then the Kings made the Delon Wright trade, which still baffles me because I don't understand what was the point of that trade. But um, yeah, those are guys that willing ball movers that can shoot. Because again, Rondo's a great playoff asset. But when you talk about what are teams going to do when Rondo, PG, acquire on the court, you're letting Ron, you're leaving Rondo open, and if he knocks on the shot. All right, that's great for the Clippers. But if he's missing, which we've seen him do, the Clippers are then going to have to worry about what's going on with Paul George. Is Paul George going to be missing too? Because Chris, you and I have both said it. There's some things about this guy, Paul George, come to playoff time. He's not the same. Yeah. He ain't the same dude anymore. And it, it gets a little, gets a little, a little tricky. And then it's just so now we're just talking about Kawhi doing what he's already doing now. Let's point forward. So they'll have to worry about is. Paul George and Rondo will hit their shots and not double dunk it off the backboard. So I don't know. I think. It's could work. It could work out in the long run. The Lakers didn't make a move, so the Clippers made a move that be like, "Yo, we gotta get over this hump." We they're both injured. AD and Braun are both injured. We bring in Rondo, a pure playmaker. That's what he's a pure playmaker. We can get over this hump. We can take this number one spot because the Clippers, the, the Lakers, just keep steadily falling. I think until AD comes back or they do a potential buyout and get Andre Drummond. Yeah. So I, I, with the Lakers right now, the Lakers are currently fourth in the West right now. They're a game above. Uh, the uh, Denver and Portland, and they're four games above Dallas. So I don't think I don't think the Lakers are going to fall. Yeah, too we far. don't know that. Depending on what they do, LeBron's already been. They've already committed that he's out another two weeks, which hurts my fantasy team. But he's out another two weeks, so we'll have to see how it goes. I feel like he's going to steadily progress, but LeBron's always the type that once he gets hurt, he pushes until he's fully healthy. He's not going to push to just get straight back to the court and risk re-injury. So we have to see how that goes. Yeah, I think we, can't, we can't say that because the only time he's really ever been hurt for real. Like growing right? injuries. Yeah. So yeah, but he, the, the Lakers was already out of it. Yeah. So we don't true. know, we don't know what the situation 
is going big. I, I feel like LeBron's like one of those like freak of nature type people. Like and an injury that's gonna take a normal person maybe two weeks, probably takes him like a couple days. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he's one of those people that if he's like subhuman. So we don't know what the full extent is. I feel like if the Lakers start to slip too far back, like if they end up, if they suddenly are sixth, I think he'll be back. You know what I'm saying? Like I think oh, yeah. they, they need to stay in that top four range as much as possible. They're yeah. game and a half back of the Clippers. I'm not, I'm not saying I think they, they, they fear the Clippers. I, I don't think that at all. But I don't think they want to end up in a four or five matchup with – you know Denver, for, you know in the first round. Like I don't think they want to do that. Like I think they'd rather be three and take their chances with you know six, whether that's Portland or Dallas or whoever in the first round. Didn't didn't see Denver. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think. Or we both agree on. Or if they want to, if they really want to be sneaky, they fall to seven and play the Suns at two. <laughs> I don't know. The sun's looking nice. I would, I would, I want to count them I out. I don't trust it. I don't trust but it. But if I think we can both agree on the biggest loser of this draft or this trade deadline is the Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets should be the biggest loser of this trade deadline. Why? Not again. You're talking about what they've done since the Harden trade. They haven't really gotten what they thought they were going to get. They didn't get a, They didn't get equal value for Oladipo, who kind of pulled a Blake Griffin and pulled a Harden. He played soft. He played kind of slowish. He rested games where he didn't need to rest. Again, you do what you got to do to get off. But the whole Oladipo situation was a disaster. Karis Avert was 26 years old in a team-friendly contract until 2023. And now he's going to be putting up big games for the Indiana Pacers because the Rockets chose Oladipo instead of Avert in the James Harden trade. And now they have essentially nothing to show for it. Both they got what both Bradley and Olenek aren't going to be a part of that rebuild, and the pick swap is basically a joke. There's zero chance of the Rockets finishing with a better record than the Miami Heat next season. Meaning the swap will be useless. Mm-hmm. So, and then you talk about the Tucker trade was okay. Essentially, letting Houston move up in this year's draft while swapping in the Bucks 2022 unprotected pick for the 2023 version, and then with his reasonable salary number of eight million, you kind of get to move that along. But this all started from. Moving James Harden. You're supposed to be getting all these picks, getting all these assets, and mm. you, you you blew it. Little by little, you've been blowing it. Because you could have just kept Karis in the long run. You could have just kept Karis Avert. Right. You had, had a guy that was young, coming off of his, finding out that he had uh, cancer or whatever, but then they got rid of it. They brought him back. He's coming in healthy. Now he's going to put in big minutes for the Pacers. You could have put in those big minutes on this rebuilding Rockets team with John Wall, with Christian Wood. And then you basically got, I believe, in the return for Oladipo was Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, Maurice Harkless, Myers Leonard, Chris Silva, 2022 first-round pick swap, which I already mentioned is useless, and a 2027 second-round pick. That's what. That's not really enough. Sounds useless to me. Yeah, so I think they're one of the biggest losers because at the end of the day, all you've really done is bring in draft picks that aren't going to materialize into star caliber players are top top tier picks. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be top front running picks because at the end of the day, the Rockets aren't going to be that good in their pick swaps. <laughs> what are you going to be swapping? You're going to be swapping your 23 for a 21 potentially. Or you're going to be swapping your 15 for a 12. And again, that's you bring in talent in, in the draft. There's always going to be those, there's going to be good players, but you want a bona fide guarantee one through fives. Mm-hmm. 
if you're the Rockets trying to rebuild your franchise, you you got rid of James Harden. You let Daryl Morey go, who was the guy that was keeping you in relevancy and normalcy for the past eight to seven years that he was working there. You, mm. you talk about how they've been in the Western Conference Finals multiple times. This is a team that I don't think they've ever – the culture shock has been so strange for them. They didn't. They don't know what they're doing at this point when it comes to trying to build a rebuilding team. So we'll have to see how it goes, but I think they were the biggest losers of the deadline. The Old Depot trade to get him to bring come to the Rockets and then the trade to the Heat was a flop. And it, right. it, we'll see how it bites. It might, hopefully it doesn't bite them in the butt later, but I, right now it, it's, it's killing them in the, in the short term. I agree. Um, I agree with what you're saying. I think that the team that really made the least amount of impact, if you really want to talk about that, um, is a team like New Orleans because New Orleans could have really – Picked up a lot of those. They could have pushed pieces. the ball. I thought they were going to be buyers and sellers in the uh, trade deadline. To be honest, you are like, they going to be buyers and, and sellers? Buyers and sellers? Buyers and sellers because you could have easily brought in some low low caliber role players to go along with Zion Williams and moved either Lonzo or Eric Bussell because Eric Bussell has a contract stipulation where he's getting paid an exorbitant amount of money to be average. I, I don't. Eric Bussell at this point in his career is a He's lost his jump shot in the best essence of the term where when he was on the Suns, he was a 36% three-point shooter. Now that's reduced to around 31%. Mm-hmm. And it's not – he's a good defender, but he's just not as great. The Steve Adams free agency signing wasn't that smart. In the, in the short term, I thought it was going to be a good idea. Right now, it hasn't been that good of an idea. It hasn't worked out. Him and – Seeing Zion Williams on the court together has not worked out at all. I've seen literally Steve Adams play 32 minutes, only grab three rebounds, and been an, a subpar defender. Mm-hmm. So where he's getting paid an exorbitant amount of money to do what? To do what? What is, what is he really doing? Hit, hit a, a, a baby hook? To, and then maybe maybe hit a free throw when he actually gets to the free throw line? Because he, he's one of the lowest rated players that gets fouled in the league. Like, I don't understand it. So I don't know. I, I think I thought they were going to make some moves, just like the small nuance moves that's just going to help them in the long run because that's what they've been doing. I like what I'm seeing from Zion Williams. The guy has been just on a tear as of late. You see why he was an all-star. He deserves it, rightfully so. But, again, they were a team that I thought they were going to make a move and they didn't. A team that I thought was going to make a better move was the Celtics, to be honest with you. The Boston Celtics, I thought, were going to make a big man move, a lucidly grabbing move, and then they settled for Evan Fournier. And trading Daniel Tice. I don't understand why they traded Daniel Tice. That was their best big, but they did that anyway. So I don't know. They're going to have to figure out what they're doing over there as well. Maybe it's time for them to put sixes in. Danny Ainge has been at the helm for so long. Maybe he, I don't, I thought he was going to transform this team around, especially when we just saw Jason Tatum in a game seven versus LeBron playing phenomenal. And now look how this team has regressed. I, I thought they were going to be better than what they were this season. This is a team that still has a losing record, even though I, I believe after we record this process, they will have beaten the Bucks. This is a team that has regressed, and they're fighting for a playing game spot. They shouldn't even be fighting for a playing game spot. In this Eastern Conference, they shouldn't be fighting for that. So I don't know how – I think Evan Voyer is a good shooter for them. Mm-hmm. It, it provides some stability, but their biggest need was a big – they didn't need another shooter, to be honest. They needed a big man. And they didn't fulfill that need. Maybe they're going to look towards the buyout market. Maybe 
in my mind, I think they're potentially waiting for the Oklahoma City Thunder to reach a buyout with Al Horford, which I, I think they're not going to do that because Al Horford fits the need for them when it comes to staying within the luxury tax of the NBA. Mm-hmm. And that's why they, because if you look at the Thunder's cap, all their players are getting paid on what rookie deals mm-hmm. and low income salaries that they need Horford's contract to kind of muddle through the waters of the NBA's luxury tax and cap space situations. So they're not going to get a buyout for Al Horford. So I don't, I don't know why they, what, what, what could of course them not to keep Daniel Tice and get Mo Wagner? I don't know. They'll, 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 maybe they'll surprise me and show me something else, but it's all comes down to now is Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens, I think, is losing a little bit of control in that locker room. He's had these, in their own words, come to Jesus moments with Marcus Smart and still lose the same game, lose the next game following, following that meeting. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what's going on with them. It's, it's better for the Sixers anyway, but you, you just want to see more from a team like this. Sure. Uh, moving on to another league with another equally big trade. Um, uh, basically, it, break, it boils down to a three-team trade between the Miami Dolphins, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and uh, Miami acquires the sixth pick in the draft from the Eagles, um, a fifth-round pick, a 2022 and 23 first-round pick, and a third-round pick. The 49ers get pick number three. The Eagles drop down to pick 12 acquire a fourth round pick this year and a first round pick next year. Uh <laughs> Jerry, your first thought, the first question is not going to be the obvious one. It's not going to be like what the, what what are the Eagles doing? Like I'm not even sure. The first pick, uh the first question is that San Francisco moves up to three. Who do you think they take at that third pick? I think they go between Justin Fields or Trey Lance. I think it's pretty obvious at this point that Trevor Lawrence will be the number one pick. So, again, we talked about this all the time. The draft starts at the number two pick. In every draft, the draft starts at the number two pick because the number one pick, you know who it is. You know who that's going to be. Trevor Lawrence is this year's number one pick. He's gone. So now you'll get what the Jets are going to do. I think the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson. This is kind of a guy that's been high on their draft boards. And then now that the 49ers have number three, I think they take Justin Fields or Trey Lance which one of those goes first? I don't know. I know a lot of teams have their preferences. They like either one, but you, you got to look at what the 49ers did. I give this a, a, a B plus to an A trade for them. They traded up because they know they're sensing a championship window with the talented roster, but I think they feel like they had no clear answer at the QB spot. This is a guy that Chris is <laughs> aforementioned. He's not a Jimmy G fan as of lately. Cause it's just, this is a guy that he, He's adequate. He's average. He had a chance to win a Super Bowl for this team. He didn't. Jimmy Grabble has, what, two years remaining on his contract, but they can easily move on and save, I believe, $23.5 million on the salary cap just by trading him. Um, you look at what you can get with Fields or Lance, they will be strong fit as signal callers for head coach Kyle Shanahan's zone run scheme offense. This gives them a dual threat QB with the weapons they have. George Kittle is going to be coming back healthy. The 49ers, I think, are going into win-now mode by making this trade. They're, they're going in win-now mode. They get a QB that they believe is going to be their franchise-winning piece with the offensive talent they have now. They're bringing back some very stud defensive players. I think they're like, we can do it. How are they in win-now mode if they have a rookie quarterback? And they have a, like, I get they have the nice offensive line. I mentioned that in the last episode. They have a rookie quarterback. We, again, I think, it, and I it think comes that, down to Kyle Shanahan's coaching. You got to 
Kyle Shanahan's a yeah, very good coach. Okay, we, yeah, we okay. before, if you if go you, with a guy like a Deshaun and Kyle Shanahan's offense, the sky's the limit. That's yeah, what Justin Fields and Trey Lance are. Okay, but here's the thing, and I don't think they're taking either Lance or Fields. I honestly think they're taking Mac Jones. Ooh, you think they're taking Mac Jones at three? I think they're taking Mac Jones at three because oh lord, that's a that's that's they could have it's, it's a they reach. Take it to Mac Jones. It's a reach, but if. You know, all the GMs say, if you really have a chance to get your guy, you go and get him, no matter what. I think they're getting nervous with all the teams that kind of want quarterbacks. And we always see it, like we saw it with, the, you know, the year Jordan Love got drafted in the first round. You know, they, I think they're they're thinking there's a lot of teams out there that need a quarterback or will draft a quarterback. Now, we think, I, I think Atlanta's going to draft a quarterback. You know, maybe, you know, Maybe they're thinking, okay, if we get to pick, if we get in that top three, we're guaranteed one of the guys we like versus if we go to six, we might not get who we want, right? Okay. So let's say they want Jones. If Jones falls to 12, then they could have got him at 12, then they just did all this for nothing. But if they think that there's a chance, any chance that, their guy is not going to fall, then they have to go and get him, and this is what they've done. Now, I don't think they're in win-now mode because they have a lot of pieces that they need. They have a lot of holes on that offense that need to be filled. Like, yes, I get it. They're two years removed from a Super Bowl appearance, but they still need that quarterback to get them there, you know? So you're going to – then there is going to be some type of grace period if you bring in a new rookie uh, rookie quarterback. So now, couple couple that with they're still the worst team in their division, right? They're still the worst team in their division. You're, you've given up all this draft capital to move up, you know, nine spots. I don't think they're in win-now mode. I think they're still a couple years away, especially if they take Jones. I think Jones is the weakest of all the quarterbacks because of the – like he has the least amount of starts and he has the least – mobility out of the quarterbacks that people are talking about, the Phils, the Lances, the Zach Wilsons, et cetera. I honestly think that San Francisco panicked because they think that someone's going to that someone was going to jump them and take their guy. And if their guy is Mac Jones, then so be it. But they moved up to three to secure their guy. Now, whether it's Jones or not remains to be seen. There's a lot of smoke now with that with that Mac Jones talk now, uh, a lot of analysts are saying like Sam Sickle moved up for Jones. You know, you you move up to get your person. A lot of people are having that, that same feedback as to like, you know, why would they move up to get a guy they could have got at twelve? The point being, if that's if that's who they wanted to get, that's who they're going to get. Now, this makes me think that with Miami, Miami moves up to six. They're going to take a guy. Maybe perhaps you know a, a chase. It's, there's no maybe. They're 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 taking chase or pits. Chase or pits. You have that now. Option. Now, but here's the thing. No now maybe. I think they're they're out of the Deshaun Watson race. They don't even need to be in it. The, the Miami Dolphins got an A plus on this trade. A plus. Crap your head. So this is a slam dunk. This was a slam dunk trade for them. You're telling me they already signed Will Fuller in the free agency. The Dolphins get another first round pick in 2022. Another first round pick in 2023. 
So the 49ers can move up nine spots. That's that's an easy call. That's an easy call to make. Chris, if you were on the phone call right now hearing that, I think you're taking the same thing. I think you're going to do the same trade because the Dolphins now have what? Number six and number 18. You have five first-round picks over the next three years with four second-round picks and four third-round picks. That's 13 picks between the first two days in the draft with Tua Tungavalo as your quarterback, who I think is a very good quarterback. I, you know, Deshaun Watson, who, again, that's a, that's a stud in his own right, but he can he's emerging. He can be that. He's that good. You, you build an offensive line for him. You bring him the weapons, and now you basically secured yourself a Kyle Pitts or – uh, Jamar Chase, whichever one they want to go for now, because again, you are going to take them at. You could have easily taken them at three, but it's more it's more reliable to say these guys are out of the top five. That's what it was. So again, this, the Dolphins made it. They make it look so easy right now. I don't know what's going on. This is a team that was just at the bottom of mediocrity. We're like, what is going on with this team? Are they ever going to be good? They were in line with the Jets at one point, and so now they're at the peak. They're at the pinnacle of what you want to see from an organization. If you're a Dolphins fan, you're like, oh man, we got a good defense. We've got a good offense. We've got a good head coach. All we need now is to bring all the pieces in the puzzle and watch watch what what you culminated into be a success. And I think they they're if they can do that this season, the sky's the limit because they got a very good deal on this to just to now still get a superstar player with the sixth pick. And that's what I think a Jamar Chase and a Kyle Pitts will be. I think they'll be superstar players. I don't think they're going to be average. I don't think they'll be good within a year. I think deferred this is that their impact on the field from week one will be immense. That's how I see it as for that, the Dolphins. I don't know if I want to get into my tirade on the Eagles because it's not like I give them a bad grade for the trade. Just don't give them a great one. They, they did a B minus. These guys stink as usual. They blow it again. This, again. This, this ignoramus, again. imbecile, half-wit, dim-wit Howard Roseman that done it again to me. He just did it again. Like, I don't I don't understand. I don't I, understand it. I'm just saying, I, when the Dolphins made this trade, Chris, the Eagles staying at number six would have netted them either Chase, Devontae Smith, Pitts, Waddle, Sertain, Parsons. They would have the cream of the crop. They could have picked whatever they wanted because the Dolphins had fallen down to 12, so you know they weren't going to get Chase anymore. And the four Niners moved up to three, and they were taking a QB. You know, those were guaranteed things. You knew that. You knew that coming in. And Howie's like, man, I don't want to do that. I'd rather trade down to 12 because now I can say, yo, I got us another pick, guys. We now have three picks potentially for next season. So my job is safe. You know, we knew your job was secure because when you made this trade in the long run, Jeffrey Lurie was going to be like, yo, you're, you're here. You're not on the hot seat. Today's trade only reinforces the perception that this was a move that appeared to be for the long term in mind. Worry continually trusts this man, Roseman, to somehow lead the Eagles through a rebuild that we should never have been in. We should never have been in this rebuild in the first place. Right. Like, what does what Lori not understand it? We were just coming off the Super Bowl. All right, maybe the first season we were coming on that high. But after that, get the get it together. Like, Howie Roseman should have been slapping your hands going. Should be going. I know this guy is good at make, getting contracts. We've seen it. That, but that's it. He can't draft to save his life. We know we've seen the excuses. We've seen it before. This is a guy that literally drafted JJ Ortega Weiss over DK Metcalf. And we think what well, him taking him getting the 12 pick is gonna make it better. Him getting three picks next season, he's gonna know what to do with those picks. No, he's not. He doesn't know what to do. This man just his ineptitude kills me because we're hearing rumors that even at pick 12, he's still considering taking a QB. So to go on Chris's scenario. 
if the, the 49ers would work to take Mac Jones, no, 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 no the Lance stop, be there. stop, stop. All right. Thank everyone for listening. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. I, I will not. I don't understand. And again, I, don't understand. I don't think he's going to take short hindsight 2020. I don't think, I think moving back to 12 is guaranteed that hurts. With, that's their commitment to Jalen hurts. They're taking, they're going to keep him, but I don't, I hate the concept that we're now behind Dallas. Who's at 10 giants. Who's at 11. And we have to pick after them when we kind of knew what their scheme was. I think Dallas is going to take Chris's guy, Patrick Sertain. I think if Devonte Smith smalls, cause that's what you're hearing in the rumor mill for those that actually like check through with NFL De- Devontae Smith might small. So now the Giants have to choose between Waddle and Smith. Well, that's not a hard choice to take. So out of one of those at 12, who are the Eagles going to take? I think they go for Parsons, Waddle, or a cornerback. Okay, sure, you do that. And then you do get these draft picks, which is why this is not a bad trade. It's, it's a B minus trade, but it's not a bad it's just trade. a culmination of everything. It doesn't, like, why? it doesn't help the fact that these guys, use, these guys being Holly Roseman, continually misses on superstar talent. They have the ability to draft star players. They miss out. They had the ability to draft a DK Metcalf. They passed. They had the ability to draft Justin Jefferson. They passed. They had the ability to go up and get CD Lamb. They passed. Because I don't understand what the idea is. I don't understand what the rationale is. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm not, you know, I'm not in the Novacare complex. I don't know. Maybe they think that Michael Parsons is their guy and they didn't want to reach him at six. No, yeah, okay. you, I, we said that before, though. You don't okay, completely understand. If you want to take him at 12, cool. But <sighs> I don't understand. I think that it doesn't matter what he does. There's people who are going to inherently not like the moves that he makes, and he has no, he has no goodwill left. You know what I'm saying? Like just not before, like after the Super Bowl, he had you could do no wrong, like do whatever. We don't care, right? You squander that goodwill time and time and time and time again, and now we're three, four years removed from this championship, and you've done, you've moved backwards. So now you've not taken any steps forward. You've continually gotten worse, and you have no dra- like. What's the, on the scale of one to ten? How confident are you in Howie Rosen's ability to draft? One, two, 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 no, three, three, solid three. Because I will give him props for Miles Sanders and Dallas Goddard. Okay, you and give him a, props give him a, for the, for the Brandon Graham trade to get Brandon Graham. Give okay, him okay, don't give him Brandon Graham. He he had nothing to do. <laughs> so, a three. Give him a three. Keep in mind, he's been in charge of the draft since 2016. Yep. All right. He's drafted two Pro Bowlers. Two. He's mm-hmm. traded one of them away. Already, do we okay. do we count those as him drafting two? Because remember, Miles Sanders only made it through the Pro Bowl as a reserve. Like okay. he got in because they. Yes, I will, I will count Miles. Sanders. You gonna count that? Okay. So he's traded one of the two Pro Bowlers he's drafted since 2016. I have one. The number is one. I have one on a scale of one to ten. The faith in Howie Roseman to draft effectively. He and then cannot dra- he cannot draft in the late rounds. He has not hit on any of his late round picks. His best quote unquote late round pick is probably Nate Gary, who isn't that great. No, no. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Because I was about to say, Jordan was undrafted. I believe he was undrafted. Yeah, all right. So. Seventh round. Okay. But you got, you got lucky. All right. You got lucky. Yeah. You got lucky on that one. His first round picks, Wentz. We see how it ended, right? Yeah. Okay. Barnett. Not Dillard. Barnett Dillard. Dillard. Who else? 
Um, Rager. Rager, yeah. That's not, that's not great. And again, Rager has potential. We're not knocking him. And he I didn't have and didn't have a pick because of the one straight. So yeah, I, I, again, eh. people 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 have been kind of coming and saying how he did with the he got he got more draft picks. He's accumulating more picks. Well, again, it doesn't. This oh, this trade only happened because he couldn't get in Zach Wilson. He tried to trade here, for number three to get Wilson. It didn't happen. We so don't we don't know that. that. We don't know that. But here's the problem: it doesn't matter if he can't if he can't draft. You give him more opportunities to to. I guess you get more opportunities to eventually you'll get one. <laughs> like the Hinky method. Like eventually we'll get somebody great, right? Nah, but Hinky, his 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 clearly his recruiting team or his his drafting team were are better than Holly Roseman's because they just know you don't pass up a sure thing, which we've done multiple times. Holly Roseman, if he's if this team stinks next year, he'll still have a job. If That's he's not fired, then he'll never get fired. Okay. Yep. He'll never, ever, ever, ever be fired if this team stinks next year and he's not fired. Okay? I, I love Eagles fans because we have this for sure passion. We think as soon as the tweet comes out, Philadelphia has a league high 11 picks in the draft, including the number 12 and number 37 picks. I don't think we, anyone is. We, we know how to draft. We're going to get good players. We don't know how to no, draft. No, 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 no. I don't see any Eagles fans saying that. No, there no, there are fans that are congratulating this move, saying, "All right, there are some that really, really hate." Which again, you have those high Roseman haters. They're just gonna hate everything he does. You already mentioned it. But yeah. there are some that, like me, you can see the promise in this in this trade. There's promise in this trade. There's not nothing wrong with trading back, but you don't trade back because of the fact that, again, as for mentioned, you try to trade up for three. You trade back because the guy that you really, really wanted isn't a guy that's a top six pick. But the top six picks that we should have wanted are going to be available at six. Jamar Chase was going to be there at six. He's not falling. Kyle Pitts is going to be there at six. He, he, he might fall if Jamar Chase is taking at six. But these guys weren't falling to 12. None of those, if, those two guys are falling. Pitts is what people say he is, he won't fall to 12. He won't fall to 12. Jamar Chase for sure isn't falling to 12. Chris, I just want to put that out there for you now. He ain't falling to 12. So there will be a team that will take so him. To, like, the Dallas Cowboys will take him at 10 just to take him if he was to fall past nine. So if they, just to spite us. So, obviously, it's got to be that they're taking they're taking uh, uh, Parsons or something. I think they'll take Parsons or Waddle because, again, if Smith falls to 11, the Giants will take Smith. Why, why would they not? I like Waddle. I think he's a great speedster. They're talking about he's a Tyreek Hill S, but Smith has proven that he's capable of doing it, even for an undersized receiver. He's done it. He he can be in, he can his scheme fit is phenomenal. This man is inside, outside receiver. He can play the slot. He can do certain type of wildcat schemes that we've seen. I think he's a phenomenal athlete. And again, that's another player the Eagles can want. But I don't know. We're a team that cannot draft to save our lives so having these 11 picks in the draft does not adequate to thing that's like just that that's like a, a nice soft part now like gonna be like it just stinks because that's really what it is well, it just stinks like it's nothing nothing to be proud of because imagine if we do the same skerfuffle as we did last year's draft we get the we get we have a chance to take a parsons and we take a completely different guy, like an offensive lineman or a D tackle, we don't need at this pretending at this particular moment in time. You don't need that. Or in the second round, we go out and take 
a Kyle Trask or somebody that falls in the second round. Why, why, why do this? I, I know for a fact. No, 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 no. Please don't, please don't mention the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? In general, like these are the type of moves that he will make, and then he'll come out with a glorified speech on why he did it, and he'll say we're a QB factory. We want to produce. They're like, what, it. dude? I, what? I hate it here. I, I just want to say this out loud for those that don't know. We gave Joe Flacco more than what he was paid last season. We're not even. We're not. We're no, no, no. Mind you, the Anthony Harris was a good signing. We gave him one year deal. I thought that was a steal of a free agency signing because we didn't have any money in the first place. I don't know how we got him. He's a, he's a very good safety, but is he? We needed a very we needed uh, very good. As a, uh, we needed a good safety to be a potential seven and nine team, and that's me being nice. Yeah, saying we're seven. Yeah, good go luck getting seven wins. That's me go. being nice saying we're seven and nineteen because with the offense we have now, seven wins is by far the happiest I'd be this season. This team stinks. We're, I, we're not great. We have we have ways to go. I think you asked me on a podcast one time, Jared. How far? How, how many years you think? I said two. I think I'm I'm gonna stick with two years for now. But Howie Rose is stretching me thin on this answer. He's Man, stretching me thin whenever on two Howie, years. When Howie, whenever Howie retires, then I'll be cool. <laughs> so, or, so by the time you know, we 35, 40. Whenever, whenever, whenever they put Howie back in the broom closet is when I'll be happy again. I just want to let you know, man, like, Howie Rose is not that old. He ain't had a young spring chick. He's 45. I'm just like, you know, he's a 45-year-old man. When he retires, you tell me I'm going to be in, what, my 40s? If he lasts that long with the Eagles? Lord have mercy. <sighs> Prayer, prayers to all the Eagles fans out there. We got a long season to go to. Quote of the night is, I can't wait to hit the sim button on this season. That's the quotable. If you guys want to retweet that, please do send it out because that is the greatest quotable I've heard all night. At Mike Will for that one. Yes, thank the Gazelle for that one. All right, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Straight to the Point. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Follow us on all your favorite socials. That's at STTP Podcast. Make sure you follow me on all your favorite socials at underscore Chris Cross. Follow me at underscore J-Dub Hughes. I almost said two and five. I got to chill out. I'm already going to go back to it. But, yeah, follow me. We are now, ST Podcast is at 499 followers. We're literally one away, guys. One away from the 500 goal. Help us get there. Help us get to 500 so then we can move on to the next goal. So we're continuously growing, continuously building. And let's get straight to the point.